Well, if you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 18 through 32 in Romans chapter 1. And so just as a way of reminder, we've been a few weeks looking at God's wrath, and we will continue to look at God's wrath until we get to Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 20. But Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to the debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, hearthless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. And Lord, I blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So I had lots of time in the car this past week driving almost 800 miles. I was reflecting on what the Lord's been doing in my life in Romans, and I hope you've been enjoying Romans so far. Just thinking so much about that the only righteousness we have is if we have the righteousness of Christ in our life. Um, this epistle is extremely rich. It reminds me a lot of a juicy steak. You cut into that steak and you put one bit in your mouth and you don't want to swallow quickly. You want to enjoy the flavor. You want to hold on to it for a little bit. Soak up everything that we can by God's grace. And that's what we're going to be doing through Romans. Our goal is to not get through Romans as fast as possible. Our goal is lasting spiritual growth. Lasting spiritual growth. Just like anything that we do in this life, anything that we study or anything we put our mind to, We can cram, we can move extremely fast, we can mark things up our list, we can pile up all the books and fail to examine our life. 
We can make a, but we need to make adjustments by the power of God's Spirit so that our life aligns with God's holy word. Blake and I desire change brought about by the power of God as we walk through Romans. We want change in our life, and we want change in your life for the Lord and His glory. The question is, do you desire this change as well? You know, the coming of Jesus Christ, His life, His, his death, His burial, His resurrection, it changes everything. Jesus Christ is no longer foolishness to us. We are not ashamed, nor are we an enemy of God. Christ is our righteousness, Christ is our King, and we are His, if and only if we have been born again. You know, the Old Testament promise of the coming Messiah, it has been fulfilled. Therefore, that changes everything for us. The once and for all payment has been of sin has been accomplished. Christ the Son has fully drank the cup of God's wrath, paying for those whom the Lord will draw to Himself. That we are not waiting for the Messiah to come. Christ has already come. We are waiting for His return. And the more and more that we see in our own life, and the more and more we see in the life of this world, I am so ready for His return. But until He comes back, we have a job to do as His children. Just like Paul said in Romans chapter 1 when he began writing this letter, Paul a slave of Christ Jesus. We are a slave of Christ. We have been called by Christ. And we have been set apart for Christ. The Lord called us and the Lord has set us apart for Him. And in being set apart, we as God's children, we must fully grasp the righteousness of God in the gospel. And in grasping the righteousness of God in the gospel, we must proclaim not only the good news, we must also proclaim the wrath of God. We must speak about the wrath of God. The good news of God is not good if we don't understand our wickedness. That we were born natural suppressors of the truth. We were not born good. We were born sinners separated from God. We were born in need of being rescued. Souls need to hear that they are spiritually dead without Christ. And so often today, that is missed, that is ignored. It's looked upon as not being loving. It is very loving. So in putting forth the righteousness of God in a letter to the church in Rome, Paul informs this church that they are all ungodly, they were all unrighteous, they are all suppressors of the truth of God, and this is why God's wrath is revealed from heaven. All that we see and don't see give evidence to God's existence and character. We've studied general revelation. We've also talked about special revelation. All that we see and don't see gives evidence of God's existence and character. All of us are without excuse. God's eternal power and divine nature have always been on display that there is a God. We discussed last week that whether or not you're an atheist or you're an agnostic, it doesn't matter. You're all without excuse. God's law has been written on your heart. What you see gives evidence that there is a God. Whether or not you believe in God, that is the question. And truly, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Who you worship is of supreme importance. Because worship never stops. But our worship matters. 
Your worship matters. At any given moment, you may or may not be worshiping the Lord. So who you worship is of supreme importance. What we've seen in Romans 1 is worship doesn't stop. There's just an exchange of truth for a lie. So who you and I worship is of supreme importance. If we are not loving God, we will also not be loving our neighbor. When we are not loving God, we are not worshiping Him. Therefore, we will, not, we will be worshiping an idol and committing idolatry. See, there is no neutral ground. So often in life we paint as if there is a gray area with the Lord, and there's not. And when God is provoked to anger, let us remember, God is slow to anger, but when it is His will that we see in Romans 1, when it is His perfect timing, He will give a soul up or give a soul over to sin. That is what the Lord does. Two things occur when we suppress the truth. Number one, when we know God and we do not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, we will become futile in our thinking. We will become futile in our thinking. This means our thinking will become empty, vain, and foolish. Now, I don't want you to think about other people in your life right now. I want you to think about you. When you don't think about the Lord for a period of time, do you not see your own foolishness? This pastor does. It immediately goes to self. We don't honor him. We don't give thanks to him. We become to grumble and complain. And that usually leads to arguing and bickering and fighting. And we think, how come I can't have what they have? How come I can't do what they do? And it's never enough when the truth of the matter is we have all that we need in Christ. And number two, when we know God, when we do not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, our hearts will become darkened or blackened. That spiritual falsehood will cover you. You know, we continue this section today, beginning in verse 24, with the word, therefore. When this word is present in the Scriptures, we must look back to know why the word, therefore, is therefore. That's what you do. So looking back all of that, today's verses are a warning for us all. Lost souls, you need to come to Christ before it's too late. Christians, don't you dare keep enjoying sin at the expense of enjoying the Lord. Sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you there longer than you want to stay, and it's going to cost you more than you're willing to pay. Worship the Lord. Don't provoke the Lord's righteous anger. You are his slave. He has purchased you. Therefore, honor him. In verses 24 through 32, we find the words, God gave them up or God gave them over three times. That's going to be our focus. Look at verse 24. It says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because... They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So because souls know that there is a God and they don't honor him as God or give thanks to him, because they are suppressors of the truth, they became vain thinkers. They're with darkened hearts. Therefore, at some point in God's timing, his grace stopped and God gave them over to their sin. God gives them what they want. 
This is the downward spiral of God's righteous wrath. In these verses, we find the words, God gave them up used three times. God gives these suppressors of truth over to, number one, the lust of their hearts to impurity. The lust of their hearts to impurity. Number two, to dishonorable passions. To dishonorable passions. And number three, a debased mind. The word God gave them up, they are intense. They declare that God will abandon the prisoner to his or her sentence. That's the picture that is painted. That God gave them up. You know, as a father of three, with three still in the house, I have no desire to give them over to the things of this world. I have no desire to stop what I'm doing and to not teach them truth, to not discipline them, to not train them, to not spend time with them. I don't want to give them up. But as we will see in continuing in here, there is a point in which God will say, I am done with you. I'm going to give you over to the sin that you want because you've exchanged the truth about me for a lie. You've continued in your suppression of the truth over and over and over again, and it gets to the point to where the individual looks and not only sees, but that person sees, they join, and they approve of others who suppress the truth. The words gave them up, they are intense. When God determines it, he will remove his restraint on the sinner, and they will get in full what they have been pining for, idolatry without the Lord. Idolatry without the Lord. Instead of being a slave of God, they will be forever a slave of sin. God doesn't give the sinner over to nothing. God gives the sinner over to idolatry and all the consequences because there is a holy God who will judge them. In verse 24 it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So Paul gives us three examples that he gives here. Two are sexual in nature, perhaps because these scenes are extremely visible and they're clearly seen and understood in Rome where false gods were worshipped and sin was running rampant for all to see. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity and to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So the lust of the heart That's a desire, that's a craving, and longing for what is forbidden. Even as a Christian, you had those longings this past week. Before you sinned, you knew it. You knew you were going to. You thought about it, you contemplated it. You had a battle in the mind right here thinking about those things, and you fell for it. It was a lust of the heart. This is speaking to self-pleasure. It is the self over the Lord. These dishonorable passions are unnatural sex acts, a dishonoring of the body. It says those who give into this craving, they are suppressing the truth at that time. The path in which they are traveling is their way at the suppression of God's way. It's a scary thing when you have a holy, righteous living God who has made everything that we see and we know that he exists and we are without excuse and we know what his ways are and we say, no, I know and I'm going to go my way. This is speaking to self-pleasure. We have dethroned the Lord in our hearts 
and we have placed ourselves there. You know, sexual pleasure is a good thing, something that God designed, but this design is for one man and one woman it, within the confines of marriage. That God created us in His image, and God created marriage. Therefore, we go to the Creator to learn as His creation how things are to be in this life. Therefore, both us as image bearers and in marriage, one man and one woman, are to be about the glory of God. So our life is to be lived according to His way, which is His word, and not our way and our word. See, now the majority of this population in this world, they, they were rewriting what they want to write in the here and the now. We, we we're seeing so much of this. Well, this is who Paul really was. This is what the scriptures really say. But we must change these things over a period of time to suit our own appetite. No, no, we don't. God's word does not change. God does not change. Sex is a wonderful gift, which we are to rightfully enjoy in God's covenant of marriage. But when, this, but when we suppress the truth of God, committing unnatural sex acts, we do what we want, and we ignore the Lord, and there are consequences for our sin. That's what Scripture says. Our holy and just God cannot overlook sin. The hearts of these men and women were about impurity, and Scripture says God gave them over. Look at verse 24. It says, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And there's, there's a reason for that. God gave them over to impurity because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. So God gave them over because they exchanged the truth of Him for a lie. God gave them over because they served the creature rather than the Creator who is to be blessed forever. So our worship matters. We're to worship God with our entire body and our entire life. We don't exchange His Word. We don't exchange His commands. We don't exchange His way for our own. And we cannot do right in our own eyes. We are to do right by obeying His Word. So the words, therefore, God gave them up, they should not sit well with us. Like, we should struggle with that. Later on, Roman, in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul addresses this. He says, I want you to have a transformed mind, not a conformed mind. Because that's what's going to happen in this life. Either you're going to spend time with the Lord, and you're going to spend time reading His Word, abiding in His Word, knowing what He has said, and being His disciple, or it's not like you're going to be neutral at all. It's like you either take in the Lord or you take in this world. There's no neutral ground at all. And so either we are being transformed by the power of God's word or we are being conformed to this world and the patterns of it. So God gave them over because, God gave them over because they exchanged the truth of him with lie, because they worshiped the creature rather than the creator. Our worship matters. These words should warn us as well as frighten us 
But they should also spur us on to live holy lives, lives that are about the worship of the Lord. Like as Christians, we should be like, man, that means I get to get into the word of God. I get to know God and I get to please him. Yes! Like that's what we want as God's people, to know him and to please him, right? I mean, why were you created? What is your chief end? What is your purpose? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You won't enjoy him if you don't know who he is. You will be consumed with the things of this world and you enjoy the things of this world, but there is a price to be paid. We cannot do right in our own eyes. We must do right by obeying the Lord. It says, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to what? To impurity. Look at verse 26 and 27. This is where we find number two. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves due penalty for this error. You know, Romans 1 is being lived out in our culture and in our lives, whether or not we want to believe it or not. If you have a phone in this room and you have a calendar on that phone, if it's a smartphone, you click on the day, and we have days where we celebrate the fact that you can do and believe whatever you want to believe. It says God gave them up to impurity and God gave them up to dishonorable passions. It says women were no longer having sex with men. They were ignoring the natural. Women were having sex with women doing what is contrary to nature. Paul listed women first because he was showing how far the trail had gone downward. This is what he was doing. They were doing what is unnatural, a perversion of what God designed. And you say, well, I don't believe in God. Yes, yes, you do. You just suppress the truth that God is actually real and existent. It is natural. It says these verses condemn homosexuality. So let me say another word. God condemns homosexuality. This has always been the case. Genesis informs us of God making male and female as well as defining marriage. If you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. So Paul has already gotten to this point in this letter. He's already says, you're all without excuse, general revelation. And now he's getting back to discussing what he's giving them over to because they they have refused to accept the natural and they have accepted the perversion. So in Genesis 2, verse 18, Then Yahweh God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Amen. That's great. I mean, that's wonderful. Verse 22, And the rib that Yahweh God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. I still remember this day when I got married. It was a great, wonderful day. She's walking down the aisle. I'm like, the Lord has brought this woman to me. At last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. 
and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So homosexuality is against God, and homosexuality is against God's created order. God condemns homosexuality because, this is a key, God condemns homosexuality because he condemns all sin. All sin. There is no sin listed in the scriptures. There is no sin in this life in which that sin is a whisper against a holy, righteous God. All sin is suppression of the truth. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were the sum of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So God is holy, His wrath is real, the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the homosexuals, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because these sins consume the lost soul. They do not consume the one who is justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? These sins will not consume those who have been born again. You may struggle with it. You may have seasons of hardships with it. But they will not consume you because those sins cannot choke out the Holy Spirit of you. It will not happen. Saints struggle with sin, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lost souls don't struggle with sin. It fully consumes them. It is all that they do. Therefore, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God if you don't have faith in God. God condemns homosexuality because he condemns all sin. Look at verse 27 of our main text, Romans 1. It says, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. This is the law of sowing and reaping. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So eventually God will give one over to their desires. And when he does, they will receive the due penalty. And what is the due penalty? The wrath of God. It says God gave them up to impurity. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. In verse 28 through 32, we find number three. And then since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So God gave them up to impurity, to dishonorable passions, and thirdly, to a debased mind. A debased mind is a worthless and useless mind. That godless people assume they are wise. We saw this in Romans 1, verse 22. Godless people assume that they are wise, but they are actually fools because they don't fear the Lord. It says God gave them over to the sins they love, doing what ought not to be done, because they did not see fit to acknowledge God. 
So God's creatures did not see fit. Isn't that interesting? Like we as people who have been created, we don't see fit to acknowledge Him. They did not approve in acknowledging God as if we are the ones who sit in the seat to approve of God and what He does and does not do. This is great wickedness on display. Elevating ourselves as the one whom we are to worship, not honoring God, not thanking God, not even to the point of acknowledging God. We don't have the right to not acknowledge the Lord. And this is what is so amazing. Paul has already walked through in his argument in Romans chapter 1. It's not because they were ignorant of God. Like, we cannot say, claim that. We can't step back from this truth and say, well, they have a reason because they don't know God exists. No, Paul already crushed it. Paul declared to those people, you have no excuse because God is here. God has created everything. You are without excuse. So they were not ignorant. It's not they were ignorant. They were rebelling against the Lord, ignoring him. Removing him from the picture and placing themselves on the throne, they exchange the truth about God for a lie. That we are not to have any other gods, and that includes self. We are not to have any other gods, and that includes self. You know, when God gives one over to a debased mind, they continue in evil without the work of God. Look what the Scripture says. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, Evil covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. The one with a debased mind is a gossiper, a slanderer. They are a hater of God, prideful, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, and disobedient to parents. It says they are foolish, without faith, without heart. And just downright ruthless. This is who the people of God are. So you get to the point where you're saying, I'm going to elevate myself. I'm going to rebel against the Lord. I'm going to ignore the Lord. I am not even going to acknowledge the Lord. And you don't even acknowledge the Lord. And then you see, look at what they are with their debased mind. They are a hater of God. So people who bring up God, I have to hate them because I hate God. When they talk about the Lord, no, I need to squash that. Do you know why? Because I've removed him from all of my life. I know that he exists and I am without excuse, but he exists. Therefore, I am a hater of God. Therefore, I'm a hater of God's children. James Montgomery Boyce says that verses 29 through 32 say that these words are the lifting the lid on hell. This is what you have here. The wrath of God revealed just a little bit to those who are here on this earth. It's a lifting of the lid on hell. These words show the total depravity of the person without God. They show saints who they were before Christ, because we find in the Scriptures, so were much of you before this happened to you, before you got born again. And they show us the state of a person without Christ. Those given over to the base mind still have God's law written on their hearts. Therefore, they're without excuse. Verse 32. This is what it 
tells us. Though they know God's decree, how do they know God's decree? It's written on their hearts. That those who practice such things deserve to die. They say they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So they know that what they are doing is wrong, and they know that those who practice such evils deserve death. They know they are without excuse. They still do them, and they give approval to those who practice them. It's not only the, the intellectual thing where they elevate their own thinking, and before we get to the society and talk about how society does that, let's just talk about us internally, how we do that. Well, I can justify this because dot, dot, dot. It's okay because such and such did that. I will mention this, and we play that in our own minds. Like, Lord, it's okay for me to do this because. Like, I don't have to do this right now because. Now we move outward. We look at everything else. So they know they are without excuse, but they still do them and they give approval to those who practice them. So a debased mind justifies their own sin and they justify the sin of those around them. They defend the evil that they know is being done. That is a debased mind. We see a debased mind on display in every area of life. Relationships. Relationships are based on self-pleasure. Marriage. Marriage is all about our need. Not the glory of God. Not the need of the spouse. It's about us. Adultery is sought after for the sake of self. Adultery is never about the glory of God. Murder is justified because we must preserve self. Politics. Politics is about whatever wins and not what is right. It's not about the character of the person. It's about whatever wins. War. War is about power. It's about pride. It's about money. Working hard becomes barely working because you have justified in your mind why you can do what you do, abandoning the glory of God. Gossip. Gossip is a character trait. Abortion. Abortion is about our present life. I don't want this, but I want to enjoy sex at the ending of my own blood because I am a selfish murderer. We replace God with self on the throne as if we are the creator, but we're not the creator. We are his creation. We're also seeing this done in the church. Souls doing what ought not to be done. All in the name of Jesus Christ. Christians ignoring the Word of God. Pastors not preaching the Word of God. I don't have many opportunities to go and to sit under churches when, they, when, they, when the Word of God is being preached. I do have the opportunity, however, to attend a lot of funerals. And I'm embarrassed by all the funerals I see where the Word of God is never preached. I'm embarrassed by all the stories that I hear about. This person did this and this and this, but then they lived for the next 40 years, but I know they were saved. No, no, you don't. Christians ignoring the Word of God, dependent upon self with little to no prayer. Worship services, they are replaced with an hour of entertainment. Pastors spending time amusing the goats and not feeding the sheep. And the result is that church is about getting, not 
giving. It's about being served and not serving. All the while, the Lord who is worthy of our worship is not being worshipped. It's the abandonment of God's word because it's the abandonment of God. Those who are given over to impurity, they were given over to dishonorable passions, they were given over to a debased mind, they are, is what Scripture says, storing up wrath for the day of wrath, as Paul declared in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. A day of wrath is coming, and they're storing it all up. And maybe think about as a, a brother in Christ, as a brother and sister in Christ, here's a question for you. What are you storing up? What are you storing up? I was reminded over and over again this past week, our life is but a vapor. We hear one second and we're gone the next. Our life is a mist. What we do truly does matter. Because who we are matters. These people were given over to impurity. They were given over to dishonorable passions. They were given over to a debased mind. They were storing up wrath for the day of wrath. They loved the darkness. They hated the light. John chapter 15, verse 5 is fitting. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. So if we're not storing up things for the Lord, if we're not pleasing the Lord, if we're not living a holy life, yes, as Christians, the day of wrath for us will be much, much different because we have the righteousness of Christ. But let us not forget that we can also waste our life as God's children. God does not ignore those who suppress the truth, not even His own. He is very much aware of those who suppress his truth. The good news of Jesus Christ is truly the most beautiful news in all the world. But let us not forget that our God is holy and just and that he must punish sin. We are not autonomous creatures. We were made by God. We are dependent upon God. And we are to obey him. R.C. Sproul declared these words concerning sin. He said, the reason God takes sin so seriously is not that God is a bully or a killjoy who does not want his creatures to have any fun. This is what we hear. Well, God just wants us to do things his way. Yeah, his way is best. God takes sin seriously because he knows how destructive sin is to the world, to our friends, to our family, and to marriage. God has a better idea for what humans are to experience, and in his ultimate plan of redemption, he will banish sin from his world altogether. You see, we are not autonomous creatures. We were made by God, we are dependent upon God, and we are to obey His holy and righteous word. When we ignore general revelation, when we ignore the law of God in special revelation, we ignore His word altogether, we ignore the Lord, and we are suppressors of the truth. Because God truly is slow to anger. You understand this in a whole new light if you are saved. 
How can a holy God draw sinners to himself and then that sinner continue to sin against him and he continue to forgive over and over and over and over again? We have an amazing God who loves us and gave his only son on the cross to die for us. But we must not also forget that when we talk about God's love, we must also speak about his wrath. God's wrath is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. He does not ignore those who suppress the truth because all are without excuse The good news is that we can be rescued from God's wrath by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. So saints, worship the Lord according to his word. That's a very broad statement, yes. I'm saying it's not just my job as a pastor to know the word. It is your job as a Christian to know the word. To abide in the word. To not be ashamed to stand upon the Word of God, to never get out of the Word of God, to stand up for the truth. Don't suppress the truth that you claim that you love. Uphold it and help others who are struggling with sin because worship matters not just for you. Worship matters for the body of Christ. And lost souls, you are without excuse this morning. God has shown you and God is still showing you that He exists. You are responsible for your sins. Not God, not your parents, you. You're responsible for your sins. Turn from your sins and trust in Christ. If you continue in your rebellion, He might give you over to your sin. There is a time when His grace runs out according to His perfect and holy and righteous and just will He will give you over to your sin. I urge you, as Spurgeon did, come to Christ. Come to Christ. Do not delay. Come to Christ. Have your sins washed away. That you will be able to stand and you will be able to sing. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you know that that is true for you today. Repent of your sins. Don't exchange the truth about God for a lie. Exchange your sin for the righteousness of Jesus Christ and worship the Lord. Father, I thank you for your holy word where we learn about your love, but we also learn about your wrath. We, we learn everything about your character, that you are holy, 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 that you are just, that you are righteous in all things, that you are a God who is sovereign and providentially ruling over all of your creation. In fact, you are ruling over all of us. And all of us are without excuse. Father, I pray, Lord, that the sins that you brought to our minds during this time, we would come before you and we would confess those one by one, knowing that we are forgiven in Christ and we would replace those sins with obedience to you and love for you, abiding in your word, knowing your word, doing your word, not deceiving ourselves. And Father, for the lost, whether they're young or old, Father, I pray they will be burned over their sin. You would convict them of their sin. 
May they wrestle with it and come to you. May they turn for their sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Lord, thank you for this time and helping us understand how great your love is, but also who you are. That you are angry with sin. That you are a God of love, but you are also a great God of wrath. Father, we praise your name for what you've done through the reading and preaching of your word this morning. May we in our hearts truly give you all the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.